Hello and welcome to another episode of the MarkCast. I am Mark Jorgensen. I am the creator and host of this podcast. And uh, there's been a lot going on in the world recently. Um, the presidential election here in the United States is really heating up. Uh, it's been very interesting. Not quite what anyone expected um, on the Republican side of things, on the Democrat side of things. There's been some surprises, but I uh, am really happy to share this podcast with you. Um, in this, I talk with uh, a friend from college who uh, we both live in D.C. now. And uh, we've been talking, you know, off and on for last year or two um, about um, a lot of things. But what comes up most often is books that either he or I have read or are reading. And um, we just got a discussion about, you know, there's a lot of books that maybe, you know, we don't have time to get through in life. We have, li- we have limited time and how we decide what to read. And so we go through some of our favorite books and uh, it's a very interesting discussion. If you're a book lover, um, you should really love this podcast. So enjoy. If you have any questions or comments, uh, you can find me on the SoundCloud page. Uh, just type in MarkCast. You can post a comment. You can find all my contact, Twitter, email, all that kind of stuff. And uh, please reach out and get in touch if you have any questions or comments. So how you doing, Ben? Good. Doing well. So um, I just want to talk to you a little bit about um, books. So I... I just in knowing you and talking to you for like the past like year or so here in DC, um, I think our conversations have turned to like books you've read or books you're reading quite a bit. Right, and, right, um, right. So I just want to talk a little bit about, you know, how did you get started in books? I mean, were you much of a reader growing up? Did you, you know, what kind of stuff did you read as a, as a kid? Uh, no, I, I, I read as a kid, but I wasn't the most. Uh, my siblings, most of my siblings read a lot more than me. Um, so I wasn't, I wasn't a huge reader as a kid. Yeah. Um, and my, my parents worked pretty hard to change that. Yeah. So I'd go through phases where they'd, you know, they'd give me, uh, yeah, my mom would check out 30 books from the library. Yeah. Try to pique my interest on some of them. And, and usually that one of those would work out and then I'd sort of, then she'd buy it all, or she'd, you know, borrow it from the library, all the books that were like that. So, I mean, that's, I was probably a pretty average reader Yeah. Uh, as, a, as a kid. Pretty average. Yeah, I, I wasn't a huge reader myself as a kid. I, I read, I mean, there's there a few novels I read, like, there was like the Great Brain series and a few other things for school. And What do you think, I mean, I guess because you've been kind of a voracious leader, reader, you know, um, later in life. Um, what, what gets you about books now? I mean, what's the motivation for you in reading books now? I, I think uh, I think there are a lot of reasons people read books. I, for me, I read them, I think, mostly because I enjoy reading. And uh, I enjoy it. And I feel um, when I read good books, which is the aim, uh, I feel like I, I become... Uh, a better person to some degree um, they're not just I read for pleasure but I, I don't read entirely for pleasure a lot of it's just I read because I feel compelled to read is, is it professional like attainment is that part of it I mean, like, no it's not professional attainment you so much you I, I used no. to read more for professional attainment now I read for life attainment because I don't think um, 
a lot of the, I was reading a lot of professional books or sort of books geared towards my profession, but yeah. it, it didn't feel like I was getting much out of them. It was just yeah. sort of in, in one ear, so to speak, and out the other. And, and now I read more for uh, life, how to, how to live a better life. Much better. I get a lot more out of it now, and and uh, I would say that it's um, it's a lot more fulfilling. I'm not just sort of reading the latest book on something or other that's going to help me with some minute part of something I do at work, possibly. Yeah. Now it's now it's more about life in general. And but you started out with the professional. I mean, I guess that at least got you going down the reading more books path, or were you already kind of there and then? No, I was already kind of there, and then oh, I just okay. felt a lot of pressure, I think, well, and interest to be reading books that were more related to my profession, and I think some of that is good, but it was sort of out of balance, um, yeah. and, and you just didn't get much out of it. Like, it just wasn't, it wasn't producing the results you thought it would be, or, or it wasn't as interesting, I guess. Right? It wasn't as interesting, <laughs> wasn't as right? Interesting. And, and I guess I just didn't see the point. Uh, because I'd, I'd read through these books and then I'd just sort of instantly forget them. Yeah. And what's the... You know, why bother? Can you name names? Is there a book you read that... Sure. You can remember that was like kind of easily forgettable, I guess you could say? Well, they're so forgettable. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would... I would uh, so, so I work in sort of security-related... Uh, I do security-related things. And... So I've read a lot of books on international affairs. Um, I would say books by like uh, Tom Friedman. Tom Friedman. Oh. I just I know I know uh, a lot of people love him. <laughs> I, re- I read but the I world is flat. I thought that that one was kind of fun to read. But it was interesting. It was interesting. Yeah. It wasn't worth five hundred pages. <laughs> it wasn't. And I could have, you know, he's a good writer, but he's not. I wouldn't say he's a deep thinker. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's not one of those books that I think will really be very important in 10 years or even. Right. I mean, you know, why bother? Yeah. And if I, if I read a book uh, today and then it's, the book basically becomes irrelevant in 10 years, yeah. right. then I don't think there's any point in reading it. Yeah. I, 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 know, I, I, mean, I just finished the Infinite Jest book. It's like this thousand-page uh, book by David Foster Wallace. Um, he wrote it like in 1996. It became very popular, I guess, at the time. Like I, I've only recently discovered it, but you know, it was very popular. Um, but his whole goal in writing that thousand-word, thousand-pages um, piece was that it would read, write a book that would be read a hundred years from now. Yeah. Focus. To be honest, reading it, I, I don't know. It's still relevant today, I think, because he wrote it more or less for our time. You know, looking 10, 20 years in the future. But I, I can't really see it being relevant in a hundred years. So I, I don't I don't know how you get there. I mean, what what do you think gets there? For, how do you get there as as a an author? You know, what, what are to write something that will be relevant? You know, beyond yeah yeah. You know, I uh, I don't know for sure, but I think you have to talk about things that aren't a aren't trivial. Yeah. And b aren't uh, time dependent. Yeah. So any books on current events right. probably aren't going to be worth much. Um, five years down the road. Even, right. Yeah, five yeah. years down the road. Yeah. I, yeah. Their, their, their relevance and importance is so temporary. Yeah. And you can read like ten of them. Yeah. And you might have a good sense of 
something that's happening now, maybe. Yeah. But you're not going to pick it up and it's like a newspaper right Right, I mean you read it and then you throw it out and if you try to read it if you pick it up and read you know a newspaper that was published a few years ago it's not very interesting and you're not big into news yourself right you don't read a lot of news Uh, no I don't you kind of you used to right but like you kind of transferred away from that or was it always you were never into news uh no I was I was I was I would read quite a bit of news and I read a lot of um I read a lot of essays on current events. Yeah. Uh, what was the change? Like, what, at what point? Was it like a moment you just kind of said, you know what, I want to go into this deeper and more stuff that ma- will matter in time? What, how did that happen for you? Uh, well, it was, um, I mean, you know, I was always interested in sort of deeper uh, books and more, more classic books, but they yeah. took a backseat, I think, to the other stuff. I was always reading foreign affairs I was always reading um, you know just all sorts of articles online I'd spent a lot of time on that and I think really um, what changed that and it hasn't been too uh, wasn't like this happened a long time ago but I think what really changed that for me was reading um, books by uh, Nassim Taleb Nassim Taleb uh, who, the who author prob- of The Black Swan right, right the, the author of The Black Swan and uh Fooled by Randomness and uh, Anti-Fragile and right, yeah. among others. A bunch of books, yeah. Uh, he became really, if anyone's not familiar, he became very famous uh, after the 2008 uh, market crash because he effectively predicted like the big housing bubble bursting bef- about a year or two before it happened. Or, right, so, yeah. right. Well, and he also just, he also just said, it's going to go down. The market's going to crash eventually because it always does. And it just happened to be right after he published the book, which I think sort of... Uh, it was fortunate timing, right? Well, for him. fortunate timing. For, for him, for him. For him. Yeah. It was bad for a lot of other people, but sure, sure. it was good for his book sales and uh, good for his wallet, I take it, um, <laughs> as he was betting against the market. So you read his books, and then that just kind of triggered something in you. That, like, you know what? Yeah, this I realize guy's got something that I'm not getting in other places. Yeah, I mean he's controversial. A lot of people don't like him. Uh, he does say some mean things. He's is that is that part of it? He's blamed. He's not exactly tactful. Okay, yeah. He's yeah. not tactful, and he's he's pretty colorful in his use of language. And he when when when. He's quick to point out other people's mistakes, sure, and he's sure. been. Uh, sure. yeah. People people often say that he's arrogant. Yeah. Um, right, but I don't but, know. but yeah, yeah, that may be sometimes get in the way for some people. But I guess yeah, there's really these well, books that were really that they were something much more important and much more meaningful. Right. Well, they sort of they sort of uh, helped me understand that I was spending way too much time reading stuff that didn't really matter. Yeah. I mean, he says he talk, he stopped reading newspapers because he, uh, it, you know, he was an options trader. He stopped reading newspapers because he realized everybody else could read newspapers. They were all reading the same stuff yeah. in the Wall yeah. Street Journal. And so it wasn't really giving him a leg up. Right, right. Oh, interesting. So yeah. why bother? So he said he cut out news and he started devoted that time an hour or two every day right. that he was spending on, on the news and he, he devoted that to, to books and I didn't really like that idea at first because I did 
because I liked reading the news yeah. and I thought it was really important. I'd been told most of my life it's really important to be up to date on current events and etc. But right. and it's not it's not necessarily that you're not up to date. It's just that it's just not. I don't think it's a good use of time to spend a lot of to read anything that you wouldn't read or find interesting. Yeah. Well, what do you replace it with? Just just something like like a novel or some kind of literature or good books? Just good books. Just good books. I mean, I I use uh, I read um, so 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 Talib has a rule, uh, sort of a, a heuristic, if you will, that uh, to avoid reading anything that's been published in the last twenty years, right? Which ironically includes his books. And because it hasn't like stood the test of time. It hasn't yeah. been thoroughly vetted enough. Right, because right? most of what's published this year, for example, will be long forgotten in 20 years. Right. No one's going to be reading it. It's going to be in a used bookstore at the, you know, right. oh, $2 I mean, yeah, I mean, It's a lot of bets books. the publishers are making, right? They want to make yeah. spread out a lot of bets. And, and that's, there's nothing wrong with it. Right? And, and some great books will come out of this year and, and, and every year, and that's, that's good. I, I'm all for publishing lots of stuff I just think uh, I'm just not really going to read much of it until right. well you can't right I mean literally it's just, yeah you know, it's I can't too it's too much um, so essentially it's kind of like a discerning process where you kind of or a filtering process you kind of say okay you know in 20 years time or so a lot of like the, the bad stuff's going to kind of slip through the cracks yep. you know and what's good and actually has more solid information is going to stick around it will keep people will keep reading it right and of course, some great books will slip through the cracks and right. will not be read, and and we won't. Presumably, I, I won't know that they exist, right. um, and that's too bad. Uh, and also, I should add that that Talib has a sort of a caveat for that rule, which is that um, any books that have been published in the uh, last twenty years that are about history that happened more than fifty years ago oh, yeah, yeah. are are yeah. Those are good too, yeah. because obviously it's, you're sort of getting an update on right. something. But if it's a the worst is a history book that's written about something that happened two years ago. Yeah, that's not something. Well, because well, the emotions are still fresh, right? The, the emotions, emotions are fresh. The biases are, and the information is incom is presumably less complete than it will be in say fifty years. Right, because you can piece together all the information a little bit more objectively. Yeah. 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 I, I think going back to what you were saying about reading, um, I, I noticed like when I go through a period, I've had like several periods in life where I've actually been able to. One was a semester in college, and one's been re more recently, where I've like read a lot of like really really deep books in a short period of time, and I'll notice that during those periods, like like all of my interest in like like TV or like news, like it just almost vanished. Mm -hmm. I go back and I just kind of feel like, oh my gosh, this is so like not stimulating. Yeah, yeah. When your mind like gets in that like that zone, uh, so I, I don't know. Right. I, I've definitely felt there's there's a difference and. Um, yeah. No, I agree, and I think, uh, you know, um, Thoreau in in Walden, he takes a crack at newspapers. Um, writing newspapers or reading? Reading. Them? Them. Oh, read. Right, right. And he says. Uh, it's been a while since I've read this bit, but he says something to the effect that most newspapers are um, gossip. It's gossip. all gossip, right? Gossip, right. It's just, it's, and take a look at BuzzFeed. That's a pure, that's an example of pure gossip. Right. Slash ridiculous entertainment, you know, taking quizzes. Whatever. It's fine. It's not 
very harmful. It's just that you, you got to sell, right? I mean, there's the commercial aspect is so is so immediate. Right? Yeah, right. And I I don't think like if you're spending you know some time on BuzzFeed every day, it's probably not you know it's not the worst use of time. The problem is um, we all walk around as if we've got all the time in the world. Right. We've got this. We think that our money is very finite. We have to be careful on how we spend our money. But right. when it comes to time, we think we have uh, sort of an infinite supply. Oh, so you look at it more as like a waste of time. It's a waste it's of time, in my opinion. It's yeah. because, you know, uh, we're all going to be dead soon. Yeah. Uh, so you'd rather spend some time on something more um, meaningful. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, well, I, I think, I mean, getting back to that, I mean, I think, I mean, that's part of the issue, which I, I don't know you can you can escape it, is like, I mean, if you're looking to a publisher, you know, you can't say to them, you know, hey, I'm, my book's going to sell a lot in 20 years down the line, right? Right. They're more interested, how's it going to sell this year, maybe next year, right? Yeah. You know, because yeah. they, they have to break even, right? Right, I mean, they can't, right. I mean, that publisher, like the publishing agent, you know, he's probably not, if he sells a lot of books, if they sell great in 20 years, I mean, whoop-de-doo, but I mean, he's, he's got to keep his job now. for right. a couple of years, right? He's, right. he's not going to make it 20 right. years unless he sells some books in the, in the meantime. Right. So, I mean, like, the, I don't know, like, with, the, with the way we have things set up now, though, um, you know, publishing's a bit cheaper, maybe, you know, self-publishing's a bit cheaper. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you see it changing at all, or do you see it roughly in the same situation? I, you know, I, I don't understand. I don't, I don't know what's gonna happen. But I tend to think I do think that, um, and this isn't original. This is uh, going back to Talib. Uh, um, right, 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 right. Talib says that Talib often talks about the Lindy effect. Yeah. Which, if I understand it correctly, is uh, is, is another sort of rule of thumb that says that something's been around a long time. Yeah. continue to be around a long time oh, something yeah. that hasn't been around for a long time the odds are that it won't be around for a long time so I think like when it comes to books and publishing um, you know people are often talking about ebooks and yeah. the death of print books yeah the Lindy effect would suggest that print books are going to be around for another few thousand years I, I just can't imagine and, staring at screens that long I, I guess yeah. that's my it's got to be bad for you. I mean, well, it is bad for you. Yeah. I, there's a great book, and this was written in the last 20 years, but I think it's worth reading, uh, yeah. by um, Carr, Nicholas Carr, yeah. uh, called The Shallows, mm -hmm. which is just all about reading things on the internet, reading things on a screen, yeah. and how that affects your brain, and it's quite, it's a quite fascinating book, and, and and helped um, convinced me that I needed to spend more time with paper and less time with screens. Right. Uh, not that I was a diehard Kindle reader, but now I never read anything on a Kindle. Really? Uh, no, I don't have a Kindle. Really? Kindle, I don't, I don't mind don't. as much because like it's a little bit softer on the yeah. eyes, yeah. and maybe like a, like an no, iPad or something. But, but I like but. I like real page numbers that 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 reflect an actual page not just sort of like whatever page I am when, when the text is this oh, size yeah. I want because I take notes when I read right so I, I take notes based on page numbers mm -hmm. and I often will read books that have notes in the back so I'm flipping back and forth yeah. between what I'm reading in the back and I know some ebooks have links and all this stuff but I don't 
I don't find it as helpful. Yeah. Um, plus, I like print books, so I try to, I try not to support e-books. Um, so um, but, you mentioned Carr, you mentioned uh, Taleb. Um, I know we talked before. You read Brothers Karamazov recently. Yeah. Brothers yeah. That book, um, it gets referenced in Infinite Jest. It gets referenced in a lot of places. Kind of being like. I, I don't know the, um, the, the the top book for you know these kind of like religious you know versus you know intellectual yep. like uh, argumentation. Um, I, I don't know. I think it's it's one of the best in that sense. But anyways, um, getting to that, you just read that recently. But what, what are some other books I guess that you've read recently that have kind of stuck out to you? I mean, you've you've got a pretty long read list. I think when we talked before. So uh, yeah. Well, I should say I. I mean, I try to read a lot, but I'm. You know, I work full time. I have a family. Yeah, yeah I just yeah, I can yes. only fit in so much. But I um, I, I try to. I have sort of two reading lists that I work off of. One is, uh, uh, well, it's from a book called uh, the Lifetime Reading Plan uh, by Clifton Fadiman. Did that come out more than twenty years ago? I believe so. <laughs> okay. I believe so. Uh, it's quite old, although a newer edition has come out now with a second author who sort of updated it now that Fadiman's passed away. Oh, so it'll be relevant in another 10 years, maybe. I think so. I think it's great. It's a great, you know, he lists, Fadiman lists off books that he sees are very important. And a lot of them are no surprise. Homer, uh, Iliad, the Odyssey, right. uh, a lot of other classics from the, from the Greeks, uh, you know, Aeschylus and Sophocles and Euripides and Herodotus and and, and you've read some through. of these? Uh, some of them, yeah. Some of them, yeah. And, and working my way through. Um, and then a lot of... And then he goes up sort of through... Um, it's a good rough guide. I mean, if, if he suggests a book, then it means it's a book that's a f affected a lot of people mm -hmm. and a lot of people have read. And it's probably worth your time to read, I think. Um, so I work off of that list, uh, and his and Fadiman's great. He's got a nice page or so, page, page and a half for a lot of these authors, and he'll suggest, you know, um, you know, if you read this author, you know, read these, read these three books. If you read, you know, Franz Kafka or something like that, right. make sure to read uh, X books, uh, and um, and then he'll talk a little bit about them. Mm -hmm. And so it's a great reference. So, so you've read some of these so far. Um, have you been disappointed with any of them? Did any, I, I mean, I'm assuming most of them you're pretty satisfied with. You know the yeah. ones you've read. Um, yeah. No. I mean, I think I think I like I like almost every book I read. On or, on that list, on, on any list. on any anything. Um, Is that just because like you vet books much better? I now? think so. so. You know exactly that that you're gonna like it. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't love everything. I mean, I, I read. I mean, I read. Uh, oh, what is it? Uh, Withering Heights. Okay. I had to sort of push myself through it. Um, whereas, you know, a lot of other ones I've read. Almost every book I've read in the last year or so, it's been. I don't really have to push myself. Would there be a favorite or two off that list? Like a top one or two that you that sticks, oh, anything that stuck um, out that you rather kind of like, wow, I'm really. I love the Iliad. The Iliad. Okay. The Iliad. I mean, it's just there's a reason that book has been around so what long. What do you What do you like about it so much? Just yeah, I don't know. It's out? it's you know people as as people say it's the ultimate tragedy, right? Okay. And it's um, 
What happens actually? I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, sure no, I it's, read it. Let's, so it's just to a, a basic outline. Yeah, so it's just it's uh, about two weeks, I believe. It covers about two weeks, or maybe it's four. I honestly can't remember. Uh, during the last year of the uh, Trojan War, so okay. oh, during okay, year okay. year ten. Um, right. Okay. And uh, the Trojan horse and all that kind of. Thing. No, it doesn't even talk about that. Okay. It's just it's just a few days essentially, and it really the the emphasis is on the wrath of Achilles. Oh, Troy. And, yeah, the movie. Right. Yeah. Okay. Right. I haven't seen the movie, but it's yes. probably so. So the wrath of Achilles and Hector versus Achilles. Hector and and versus Achilles and Agamemnon versus Achilles, but Homer is a master. I mean, he. There's a reason why he's, you know, the Greeks just referred to him as the poet. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's quite phenomenal. And there's certain scenes I'll never forget. Like, uh, I think it's in the third book where Hector is, he's on the, on the, sort of the, the walls of Troy right. with his wife. Uh-huh. Um, Andromache, I think is how you say her name. Uh-huh. And they're up there with, with, the, with their son, who's uh-huh. like two years old or something. Yeah. And, and... Hector takes his Hector they're they're talking about the war and Hector's just been fighting and he comes back and he's about to go back out and and his wife Andromache's obviously she doesn't want him to go back out right um and well and they're talking too about what will happen if Troy falls mm-hmm. men will be killed the women will be you know taken yeah, yeah. as slaves there and, and and which is foreshadowing of what happens uh which is covered you know euripides talks about in the trojan women um and sort of that tragedy right there uh but at one point um hector uh their son um astyanax i believe is I don't know if I'm saying that right. He becomes afraid of yeah. Hector because Hector's got this huge helmet on, horsehair, you know, ridge, right. and and they both laugh. He takes the helmet off, and it's it's re- and it's a it's such a normal thing, right? Yeah. Your 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 son is scared of you for a second and realizes it's you, and everyone's happy, and but all around them is war and carnage. And, Hector himself has killed all sorts of people that, that right, day, right. Uh, that morning, and and will and goes out and kills a lot more, and a lot of his friends are being killed. I mean, it's just, yeah. And then there's just this sort of like little family scene, and I'm you know a relatively young father and uh, two girls, and uh, I can't help but put myself in Hector's shoes and then think about so the whole war is just sheer insanity, and they yeah. know it. Uh, they all know that it's just nonsense. They're fighting over. A woman, one one person, one person, and right. the, the Trojans know it's insanity. The Greeks, are, I mean, it's just, but they keep going, right. and and Achilles knows he's going to be killed. Yeah, he knows that he's uh, well. If he chooses, he he can actually take two paths. He chooses glory and a sh- and a short life. Yeah. Um, and Achilles, is, Achilles does die in the end, right? He does. Very well, right. not in yeah. the end of this poem. But he, yeah, he gets this injured epic, or whatever. And then he, he dies after, after this takes place. After. I mean, Homer doesn't talk about his death. But he, sort of the, near the end, Hector is killed. Right. Achilles right. Kill, kills yeah. Hector. And then, you know, the last book, King Priam, Hector's father, comes down to uh, 
right. to, to Achilles' camp right. to ask for his son back, and it's a... It's kind of a tender scene of, you know, reaching out or whatever. Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, it's, it's also just sort of crazy. I mean, this yeah. guy's coming back for his son. He's, he's been dragged all over the place, on, you know, yeah. behind a chariot. Uh, and they're at war, right. but they, but they almost are friendly at one. Point. Anyway, I it's one of those books that you could read over and over and over again. You read, you know, how uh, much of what the Homer's writings were actually uh, based in fact, right? I mean, obviously these events happened, but I mean, was, well, not much, necessarily. We don't know. He, we don't know. Oh, but I, mean, I thought like, at least like, those battles did occur. But you know, how that, much of well, that was just drama that he kind of injected? No one into? knows. I mean, no yeah. one even really knows. If he wrote the whole thing, I think scholarship now is, scholars are now, but I think a lot of people agree that he wrote most of it or a lot of it. Of course, he was borrowing ancient phrases, and there's lots of other things going on. But he seems to be the main orchestrator. But what, how much of it is based on real fact? No one really knows. There, there were battles in that area. Just kind of touching on the classics in general, though, like, I, I used to notice in my reading, um, like, in the news or just in history, there used to be a lot more references to, like, yeah. the classics, and, like, the les lessons of the classics, you know, would be much more referenced more frequently, kind of in modern discourse than it was um, you know, now, so, like, like, maybe 10, 15 years ago versus now. Um, that knowledge of like the classics, I mean, it, it does seem to be more or less in decline in Western society. Uh, no, I think that's true. Think, I think that's think? true. I went through all of school. Never. I don't think I read. I never read the Iliad. I don't think I ever read the Odyssey. I probably read little snippets and we, you know, read the story. Right. But the story without the actual, and I'm not even reading it in Greek. I mean, I've never right. read the Greek, but without actually reading, say, you know, an English translation of it, I don't think you can, and the whole thing. You need the whole thing, and... You know, I grew up, I knew who Achilles was. Right. I knew about right. his heel. Achilles' heel. Just yeah. because of that phrase. And, you know, I think it's still, he's still referenced, and we still talk about him, and we still talk about Homer to some degree, or at least what but, he's But, written. I mean, a but lot of universities have kind of, like, trimmed down or eliminated the yeah. classics departments yeah. or the number yeah. of, you yeah. know, yeah. chairs. I mean, it just, there's not as many because classes. It's because people say, well, you can't get a job. Right. Right. As a classic scholar, how many people can actually become a classic scholar? Well, not that many, and that's a good point. But, but how many people? You know, education now is supposedly, and I don't know if it's really doing a great job of this. But the idea is that we focus on, on, uh, you know, how to vocational. We we focus on how to learn skills that'll help us get a job. That's right. the idea. I don't even think it's taught very well right. or very effective. But that's the, so we, we do that, we cut out everything else. But the problem is, I mean, people graduate and they're not even really educated. Right. Uh, with no knowledge of, say, the classics and, and, and yeah. just great well, like, books like in the general. softer kind of skills and like that kind of like intuition and kind of figuring out like these other... Well, and I would just say, and not even just softer skills, I would just say, you know, how to think. Right. And well, how, yeah. And yeah. how to just like... That's what I was trying to say. Well, and... Yeah, I guess it is a... I didn't, I, didn't I, get, I, didn't, I didn't get a good enough classics education, so... No, no, no. no. So I, I didn't, I didn't get anything... I didn't get a classics <laughs> education. I just think... Uh, um, you know, we're lost in four-inch screens. Right. We're taking BuzzFeed quizzes. <laughs> thinking we'll live forever. To compare that to, like, you know, Hector, who's like... Per, 
protecting an entire city from this group of people that have every intention of burning it to the ground, killing every man in sight, turning the women and children into slaves. That's the that's their goal. That's what he does. And he lives with that reality that he may die yeah. any time. So, so I would imagine he's much more careful than we are about what he does and how he how he spends his time, if nothing else. Yeah. We grow up, I think like as sort of in modernity, we don't really think about death. Right. We don't think about how little time we have, and and so now we've already talked about Steve, this. Steve Jobs' reference on his uh, the, the Stanford graduation speech uh, that he gave two thousand and five. I think I haven't heard it. Well, his whole point it. was like you know not knowing when you're going to die. You know, it's one of the best uh, kind of uh, triggers, motivators, Motiv- motivate, motivators. Yeah. Because you know you never know what's going to happen. You got to do whatever you're going to do. Do it now. You know, do it don't, now. Don't, don't delay. Don't spend. You know, uh, Seneca says. Uh, you know, Roman philosopher and statesman. He said, uh, "How tragic it is that we that um, to waste any time reading something uh, that's not worth reading when time is so short." Ah, he, he puts it into a nice succinct sentence. But you know, Wittgenstein the. Austrian philosopher would, for I, I heard this secondhand. One of my professors said this, and I, so I can't verify it. But assume, assume this is accurate. Apparently, at the end of the day, you know, he'd spend the day struggling away at the Tractatus or whatever his. And uh, the, the, the uh, book he wrote, the oh, Tractatus. Book, oh, okay. Yeah. His his philosophy was known to be rather uh, opaque, right. difficult uh, to to get through. He'd spend the day struggling away at it. And then he'd just sort of um, relax in front of uh, while watching old westerns. <laughs> and you know, you know whatever yeah. you got to take a break. I mean, it's not. I mean, and that's fine. I just any any other any other books you'd think that are I guess a little more modern on the more modern side of things. Um, you know that yeah. you would you recommend that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I w- I love I really love Willa Cather's. Uh, Death comes for the Archbishop. Death comes for the Archbishop. Which Not is, familiar with that. It's about it's a story about uh, it's probably about three hundred pages. It's not very long about a bishop who eventually becomes an archbishop. Right. Um, based on a true story, actually. He he's sent to uh, he's a Catholic bishop. He comes to uh, New Mexico. Uh huh. With his, Where you're from? Uh, you're from New Mexico. And I'm right? from New Mexico, so, okay. so maybe that's why I love it so okay. much. But uh, he comes to New Mexico to sort of um, uh, sort of rekindle the faith there and yeah. establish. Uh, okay. Okay. So maybe so he's, right in the transition. The um, well, the well, he's, he so he spends as particularly his vicar uh, who comes with him. He spends some time in Mexico proper. Oh, okay. Okay. But much of the story is based in northern New Mexico. Okay. Well, it's it's you know it's it's a time when uh, it's first of all there's no real plot. It's just yeah. this bishop and his vicar sort of trying to um, help the remnants of it. The church was sort of set up there some time ago, and it sort of died off. Right. And they're they're trying to reestablish the church, build up communities, um, and it's just sort of this wandering tale of them really uh, you know there'll be a chapter on that on on one of them visiting say the Acoma at Pueblo yeah 
which is a pueblo up on top of the cliff. Right. And, uh, and I've been there actually, and it's quite. Uh, it's it's a pretty um, quite a nice sight. Quite beautiful. That's just it's kind of um, I can't other, think of the right adjective, but it's like, it almost like kind of almost okay. yeah. yeah. Exactly. I mean, it's just it's it's windswept, mm-hmm. it's quiet, mm-hmm. and he tells of you know his his trip there. He'll tell of um, you know a trip he has through sort of northern New Mexico in a snowstorm with his Indian guide. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a it's a beautiful book, and uh, I think it's one that. Um, I'll probably be rereading, mm-hmm. you know, till I die. Uh, huh. It's it's you know it's one of those books that just it's so simple and they're yeah. just sort of they're just slowly dealing with sort of the next problem that comes up and 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 there's a sort of a, a great insight into sort of the Native American way of life, which I think is is something that is never that we should really, especially as Americans, we should really be studying. Uh, I just feel like any. Uh, look into the past sort of another way of life another way of dealing with with life and all of its challenges um, can be very insightful and uh, it, it makes me think of uh, there's a book by Graham Greene called The Power and the Glory I, haven't, I know of Graham Greene but I haven't read that one yeah there's the quiet I've only read The Quiet American the Vietnam one and, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, there's Power and the Glory it's about this like Catholic bishop who he's not or a Catholic priest He's he's not really the good guy, <laughs> yeah. Like in your story, where he's kind of he's more of like he's like this he's known as the drinking Catholic priest, yeah. and he kind of goes around and he's kind of struggling with himself, and it's because um, it seems like your book has more of a positive tone overall. Yeah, no, it this is pretty is positive. More, more slightly more negative. It is positive, but I mean, it's one of the things I really love about it is it's just sort of these two guys, they just sort of come. Uh, they've been asked, they've been assigned to come here, to well there to, to New Mexico they set up camp in, in yeah. uh, uh, Santa Fe um, and they just deal the, the problems are sort of you know huge problems that they face and they just sort of say all right well let's just deal with what, uh, let's just you know do what we can and it's not perfect by the end it's not like they've solved everything Right. But they just take you know small steps and they just keep trying and they make good friends and they, um, you know I think that's like that's a lot of what life is. We don't we come we all come up with lots of challenges and the trick is to just say well how am I going to deal with it? Yeah. And what? Um, yeah, I think in modernity we just think well there's got to be some easy solution out there right. somebody who or, could or just or like a perfectionist kind of view like if it, right. it's got to be perfect or it has to be perfect that's the other problem I'm a perfectionist uh, so it's something I struggle with but and, and, and you know back sort of in this time period they just say well this is all we've got this yeah. is all the money there is there won't be any more right. bar some you know miracle or this is you know these are the people we have to deal with and they're not like Ideal for tackling this problem, but it's all we've got. And they just sort of say, "Well, we'll just do the best with what we can, and we'll try." And and I think that's that mindset is just not really prevalent. Right. And it's something I struggle with. Well, I mean, it feels very like like a Western frontier novel in that sense, right? It is kind of like kind of almost entrepreneurial, like you know, let's just let's just make it happen with what we have, and you know, as opposed to kind of like the East Coast mentality where you kind of have a little bit more established kind of. 
Right. We probably have much higher expectations as well. Which, true. which isn't always a bad thing, but it can be. True. Um, right. Yeah, it's a great novel. It's it's uh, and it's just enjoyable. She does a great job of describing the landscape, and anyone who's been to nor- northern New Mexico can, you know, just take a look at just go through um, Google uh, Ansel Adams. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. His, his photographs of New Mexico, and yeah. you'll get a pretty good sense of what what it looks like and what it um, feels like. And, He's great. I, yeah. I, I like his stuff a lot. Um, you, you mentioned, uh, I guess we'll wrap up here, but you mentioned there was that one list, the, um, what was the, the, tw- the list? Of, oh, yeah. Uh, so there's, a, there's another one. Lifetime right? Reading Plan by For, Clifton Fadiman. And then the other one is, uh, I really, uh, I just sort of came upon it recently. It's a list prepared by St. John's College, okay. which is, um, well, there, there's two campuses, okay. one in Annapolis. Okay. Just, the street from us and then one in New Mexico actually in Santa Fe um, and they which is the newer campus of the two we will have a be very well read right. by the end of four years so they give um, you a list of about 100 books or something um, I don't know I don't know how many it's a lot it's a lot and uh, you could download it uh, a PDF of their reading list online their seminar reading list I mean and a lot of these are just so well known you don't really need a list for them yeah but but some of them aren't as well known, yeah. and some of them, perhaps some books, say you you're interested in reading Plutarch, but you might not. You want to read his lives, uh, the lives. Uh, lives of Plutarch. Uh, no, the lives of the noble and great Romans and Greeks, okay. or something like. That. Yeah, there's a book called by Amy Dillard called The Writing Life. Um, I read a few a number of years ago, um, but she references a story which I'm not entirely sure if it's true. I assume it is. I think it was Henry David Thoreau who, um, instead of you know enrolling in Harvard, yeah, one year um, he took a year off and he just read the entire like reading catalog. Oh no, I think it was actually Frost. Uh. I totally <laughs> so he just took a year just reading, just on himself on his own, just reading because he didn't want to be like distracted by all the things of school. Yeah, um, that's the and, problem with school. And she argued he was all the better for it, you know, and that just gave him the freedom you needed or something so yeah no I think that's true I mean school can be so confining and it's just so busy you just have so much to do you read a couple chapters of a good book but you're not really able to think about it and work on it and um study it as much as you want um Nassim Taleb did the same thing he took two years off of, of work he was able to do that um, but he took a couple years off and read every single book on probability he could get his hands on. I, I believe in those moments. If you had those moments <clears> of like <throat> intense study, I think uh, I think it makes a big difference. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. Just really quick touching on, I guess, nonfiction versus fiction. Um, what I'm getting from you, gathering from you, is you're definitely kind of leaning more in a fiction uh, kind of mood more recently, or I guess more more of the deeper kind of more interesting mm-hmm. books are giving more fiction on the side. Um, w- I guess how would you place like the difference between like fiction versus nonfiction? Um, I mean, clearly it depends on the time and what you're looking for. But you know, if you're going to read a nonfiction book for it to be, you know, valuable and interesting, you know, what what really makes up that kind of a book? Or something. So, so a good nonfiction. Yeah, book? a good nonfiction book. 
Because I'm uh, kind of like, I, I kind of notice the formula is usually like they put they front load it with a lot of like really interesting stuff at the beginning. And then it just gets drug it out. Shows off. And yeah. then maybe at the end it'll kind of pick it up. Yeah, it's got to be, I mean, well, Talib's Anti-Fragile is just a great example of a good nonfiction yeah. book written recently. Right, right. <clears throat> every, <clears throat> I, I found literally almost every page to be interesting. And he just peppers his books with references to... Uh, authors all over the place right. not just not just sort of in one area but just all he's all right. over the place um, which people find annoying yeah. but I really enjoy so no, that but I mean he <laughs> truly loves I mean knowledge I mean you know? yeah. So he just like loads it down everywhere because it's, it's, it's just a part of him. It's a part of him. So he brings up one thing and he can't help but bring four other things, some of which he'll put in the notes, some of them he'll put right in the text. Right. And say, oh, by the way, it reminds me of this guy and what he said about this. And that's that's my favorite kind of so much more interesting to listen to, to read. And, well, and also, I think any nonfiction that, book that takes on sort of now, now the focus of nonfiction is sort of small. Right. You zero in on a small area because right. that's what I'm an expert on or whatever. And right. this is, and, and we, you know, 250 pages, I'll tell you everything you need to know about right. this small topic. Books like that just aren't as interesting, though, I think. I like books that are more, they're more broad. Right. You can tell they've read a lot more than just what their specialty right. is. It turns out they're, they're very well read in all these other areas as well. Right. And that's, they're always going to be more interesting. So I guess it, it depends more on the author, not so much the book. I guess I, if they're a really great and interesting person, then probably I'll take, I'll take the risk of yeah. reading, because I, I want it to be interesting. And I'll take the risk of maybe them talking about something that they don't, aren't quite as, hopefully though will be really knowledgeable about it. Maybe they're not quite as knowledgeable. I'll take the risk. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think we overemphasize the importance of experts. Right. And a lot of experts aren't experts anyway. Yeah. So, you know, go with go with the person who who's who's better read rather than um, better qualified. I think. We'll end it there. Thanks for your time, Ben. Good talking to you. Yeah. Thank you. All right, that's our show. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, I think we really touched on the heavy stuff, you know, life, death, and everything in between. So. I hope you enjoyed it, and uh, we'll see you next time. If you have any questions or comments, uh, you can find me on the SoundCloud page. Uh, just type in MarkCast. You can post a comment. You can find all my contact, Twitter, email, all that kind of stuff. And uh, please reach out and get in touch if you have any questions or comments. <laughs>